Here is the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one spake, saying after this manner, and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, Wherewith or how? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets. And the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenina, came near and smote Micaiah upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. You're going to find out. Micaiah said, One day you'll be frantic and desperate to hide yourself. The boldness you have today will escape you. You'll no longer want to be in the limelight you'll wish you could hide now I'm going to help you with all this because I'm sure this was not the first scripture that came to your mind when you woke up having your Folgers I can almost guarantee that this scripture is not on your refrigerator it's alright I'm going to help you because this is what the Lord wants us to hear and I preach today the serious business of being saved. Amen. And all the people say amen. Thank you and you may be seated. I hasten to the word. But even before I begin, I ask for some allowance. I understand the demands of time and sermons. And even of our day wherein we would like things to be redeemable or even relatable, current. All of us want a pleasant thing, and I join you in that desire, and this is pleasant and good. But I do ask for some allowance to retell the biblical narrative so we can understand it. Now everyone that's listening to me and watching this now, push aside... Every thought and captivate your own thoughts so that you can hear what the Spirit has to say. Are you ready? The kings, the books, the sequel, joined by two books of the Chronicles, all of which are an open display. Showcase the vacillating congregation of Israel and its leaders. Our text is found in stride with opposing kingdoms, Israel and Judah. The leaders of each region, Israel and Judah, could not be more different. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. He honors the Lord. 
Ahab, his counterpart, is the most carnal and corrupt king that Israel has ever seen. So Israel and Judah. In a most glaring depiction, Ahab is not named in the chapter until God calls his name. For the longest duration of the chapter, he is simply referred to as the king of Israel. Only at the very end, after he dies, does the writer give him recognition. It is a telling thing because the chapter has less to do with the kings as it does with the dueling prophets that represent them. The chapter, the moment, has to do with truth, a clear voice, and the right word. Amen. Now the location of desire is a place called Ramoth of Gilead. It was under the control of the Syrians at the time. Jehoshaphat, the king who honored the Lord, knew the value of this high city. That place had begun as one of only six cities of refuge established many years prior by Moses. So that if a man or a woman was falsely accused or had done something but not so egregious that they needed representation, they could run to that city of refuge and find hope until a proper judgment could be issued. It was a city of safety. There was no war in the cities of refuge. There were no disturbance in the cities of refuge. And most of all, the priests, the Levites, lived there. It, were, it was the home of the priesthood. Now this particular city was set in a hill country where trees grew along its rocky sides. Those are the same trees that when they were cut or wounded, they released an ointment. A salve, a salve, if you will, a, 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 a gum. It will, be, it will be called the balm of Gilead. It had healing qualities for wounds, for burns. You could ingest it. Ramoth of Gilead was an important place. It had history, it had worth. It was layered with significance of all kinds and Jehoshaphat, the king who honored the Lord, knew it. That is why he went to Ahab, who did not honor the Lord, and said, this city belongs to us collectively. We should have it, but it goes unclaimed. It's, your, it's ours for the taking. It started with us. Now, I cannot tell you why Jehoshaphat thought he needed this wicked king to join him. God was enough, but Jehoshaphat probably thought he needed that thin layer of humanity to give him confidence. Oh, the tragedy of so many of the people of God who rely upon the arm of flesh. The next scene is most likely crafted in a normal frame. Kings of Israel and Judah now, both of them, will consult with their spiritual counselors. Such was the case throughout their history, though a few ignored their spiritual direction. Some of them hired people. In this particular setting, 400 prophets gathered to give these two kings a word or a direction. 
And they said, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And in unison, those gathering prophets replied, go, for the Lord will give it to the king's hand. It was the voice of the collective symposium all sounding out like a harmonic choir. Yes, God is with you. 400 prophets in all. The two kings are sitting on their thrones at the entrance to a city. But Jehoshaphat, the more God-fearing of the two, is not so convinced of these convening band of prophets. Jehoshaphat would like an outside voice to speak. So he inquires and calls for some prophet of Judah to come. And they bring a prophet and name him. His name is Micaiah. It's almost like a person being diagnosed and asking for a second opinion. But while they are waiting on Micaiah to come, one of the 400 prophets stepped forward, the leader no doubt, whose name is Zedekiah, he steps forward to speak. And Zedekiah has come with a visual aid. I like to have visual aids in my sermons, but my wife tells me, That they're distracting. So most of the time, unless she's not paying attention. Zedekiah has one of those. And he has made for himself iron horns. And he prophesies, thus saith the Lord, with these thou shalt gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. It was more, of course, to Zedekiah's presentation that meets the eye. He was reenacting the blessings of Moses that Moses had given to the descendants of of Joseph in Deuteronomy 33, 17. The words that he used and the scene were in their history. They all recognized that. Those iron horns, that moment, all of it surrounded in spiritual imagery. It went even as far as to shadow the old horns of the altar in the early days before there were kings and prophets. The horns of the altar. Zedekiah presented iron horns, the horns of the altar. Although the original horns were not iron. Zedekiah knew what he was doing. He held the attention of both kings and of peasants and of the other prophets. And if you follow the story through, you'll find out that Jehoshaphat and Ahab are arrested in their attention. Think now. Two kings sitting on their transported thrones. Ramoth was a worthy cause that lay before them. 400 prophets calling into unison. Zedekiah with a little show and tell. Iron horns and a reflection of Israel's all-time national hero Moses. All of it is set. It is set and certain. And then steps Micaiah. Can you sense it now? You've got it all planned out. You've made for sure. All the details are in order. All the I's are dotted. All the T's are crossed. But there is that one voice and you so desperately want to avoid it. That one man who is unpredictable and somewhat unknown. The Bible says that the messenger who went to bring Micaiah back. Go get Micaiah. And the messenger that went said to Micaiah. This is in your Bible. Look, Micaiah, everyone has predicted success. So when you come before these kings, just be agreeable. Speak favorably. This is a worthy cause. It's Ramoth of Gilead for crying out loud. 
You've got the weeping trees with the bomb and it heals everybody. You've got the high city with walls. There's history there with mercy. Everybody was saved. It's just one of six cities. Just be agreeable. We all want this. And besides, it's high time for a little unity between the north and the south kingdoms. It's like a festival at the gates. Wait till you get there. Just be agreeable. To which Micaiah says in 1 Kings twenty two fourteen, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Ugh. Not good. Not what we want to hear. I promise you that is not what people want to hear. I got a lot of claps on the first part, but no claps on the second. (laughs) I love this. I want this. This is a good thing. And and if the reply comes, I can only say what God wants. Mm. I shouldn't even ask you. I'm not certain the time difference between the chronicled kings and the moment that Paul wrote his letter to to Timothy, his understudy, the pastor that he set up. But I do know that the problem was prevalent in the day of Micaiah and the problem was prevalent in the day of Paul. And this is what Paul said to Timothy. And I quote, 2 Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Paul said, Timothy, preach the word. Whether they believe it or not, preach the word. Whether they receive it or not, embrace it. If they reject it, if they argue with it, if they deny it, if they love it or if they hate it, Timothy. Paul said to Timothy to preach the word because the word preached is not about the response of the people. It's just about preaching the word. The word is not validated because you clapped. It's not right because you like it. It's not good because you agree with it. It's the word. It's the forever settled word. It will never fade away. I don't always like it because it messes with my psyche. It messes with my ego. It it humbles me. It directs me in a path that I'm not walking. But the word's got to be true. It's got to be stand. It's got to be right. It's not subject to my feelings. Preach the word. And Timothy, be instant. Prepared or unprepared. Be instant in season and out of season. Ready or not. Tired or not. Worn out, put out, bottomed out. Be instant. You don't have time to warm up or clear your throat. Just be ready, Timothy. And Timothy. uh Uh-oh, here it goes. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Do it until they don't want it. Do it in spite of the people who you're preaching to. Because the time will come when they will want the show. They're going to like the show and tell, the visual aid, the reflection of the former. They will declare themselves spiritual without you. And if you do not say what is agreeable to them, they will hire preachers that will say what they want them to say. (laughs) I'm in the book. And ultimately, if they do not receive what you told them, 
if they cannot handle reproof, if they don't accept rebuke or doctrine, they will turn to a lie. And they're not going to listen to the truth. So whatever you do, Timothy, preach the word. Here's another version at the end of that. He said, but you, Timothy, keep your head. Because people want to be coddled and supported. And there are many folks that are after as many thumbs up and like buttons if they can, as they can possibly get. People want pleasant prophets and congenial homilies and feel-good replies. Especially, hear it, if they can prove that their endeavors are a worthy cause. But you, Timothy, you keep your head. Because there is a Zedekiah in every era and in every time. And it might not be completely wrong, but the motive could still be wrong. It still be corrupt. The cause may sound good. But it never supersedes the word. I'll get to it. How are we doing? It was going so well. Lest I leave you confused, I'll read from the scripture. Here's Acts 16. It came to pass... Luke is writing this. As he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. That girl followed Paul and us and cried, saying, like a walking town crier, a billboard. These men are the servants of the Most High God. They're going to show us the way of salvation. These men are anointed. Follow them. You see, in doing so, she declares something that's true to to validate the evil spirit inside of her. I'm going to tell you right now, Your salvation is serious business. And if you're flopping around and not paying attention, you don't know what's going to happen and come on you. Because what you've done is you've taken your attention and taken it away from the scripture. And you put it on things in the world that doesn't matter. I'm standing up here today to tell you the spirit has a word for you. we got to get our salvation in order. This is a serious business. There's no business like the salvation business. Yay. Help me. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, right word from the wrong person, truth from an evil spirit. He turned to the spirit and said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he cast out the very spirit that supported his ministry. The right description can come from the wrong place. So keep your head. 
Jesus said it this way. My sheep hear and know my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's the right word from the right voice, ladies and gentlemen. Or as Micaiah said it, he put it as the Lord liveth. Whatever the Lord says to me, that's what I'm going to tell you. I'm only going to tell you what God says to me. And by the time Micaiah came before the kings, he was ready with an answer. They said, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we forbear? And he answered them and said, here's what Micaiah said at first. Go. Prosper. Yeah, the Lord will deliver you in the hand of the king. He's going to give it to you. There's no doubt that Micaiah must have said something. That he did say something with sarcasm. There was something in his reply that was a little snide. I'm sure of it. Because Jehoshaphat said, how many times do I have to tell you to speak the truth? Shall we go? Yeah, go on. God will give it to you. Wait, you're not telling the truth. How many times, this is what you're in the Bible, how many times do I have to tell you to tell me the truth? And Micaiah said, okay, here's the word. You want the word? I'll tell you the word. All these men in this army are like sheep without a shepherd. Send them home. Micaiah stood up and said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. And there was a host on his right hand, on his left hand. And he's done with you, Ahab. God said, who shall I send to entice Ahab to attack Ramoth Gilead? Because he's going to die there. And the host of heaven had suggestions before the Lord until a spirit stepped forward and said, I'll go out and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouths of all 400 prophets and they shall entice him. And the Bible says that in a moment when when Micaiah spoke those words, Zedekiah stepped forward and struck Micaiah in the face and slapped him. He taunted him. He taunted the true prophet of God and slapped him down and said, where'd the spirit go now? Tell me if you know. And there it is. They struck the prophet. They put him in his place and then they put him in a prison and they bound him up. Because ultimately, if the word is not in your favor... You'll strike it down and you'll lock him away. Uh They put the right voice with the right word in a box and they demeaned it because they thought their cause was good. So tell me of the cause, ladies and gentlemen. Tell me how good your cause is. Tell me of the endeavor. Is God in it? Because there are great things that are void of God. There are worthy causes that in fact may lead you away from God's divine will. But hear it, hear it now. But so many are far removed from the purity of the word. Because they got lost in the cause. The cause is never as critical as the word. Sometimes... Jesus presented parables or lessons and said, this is a hard saying. I feel that now. I'll help you with Luke Acts 16. Paul, Timothy, Silas, Luke, some of the other apostles are traveling. They would like to preach the gospel. That's what they do. The gospel, the only saving message that will ever be heard. But when they went to preach, they were stopped. Here's verse 6 of Acts 16. Now when they were gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. 
How are you going to deal with that? Then they came to Mysia. They wanted to assay that was a desire to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They passed me by Mysia, came down to Troas, but not there either. Good cause, wrong place. I got something I want to do. It's a good thing. You can find it in the scripture. But if God says no, I ask you today, can God say no to your good? Because if God's not in your good, it's not good. Oh, man. I'm not seeking for the voice of my friend or for my own internal thought, but I'm seeking for the voice of the Most High God, and I want to follow the will of God because my salvation is a very serious thing, and I cannot mess it up. Many years ago, our boys got really bad haircuts. They were terrible haircuts. And Tammy cried because they were so terrible. And I said, don't worry, Tammy. You can mess up the haircut. It will grow back. It will grow back. A friend of mine painted his car one time. And he wanted to do it in his garage. And he had all the stuff. He thought he knew what he was doing. But, but he did not know what he was doing. And his wife cried because it had come out so terrible. Bubbles everywhere. It was a little bit different shades. And I said, don't worry. There's a body shop somewhere around here that will repaint your car. There's a few things you can mess up. You can mess up a cake. We've done it many times. You know, you leave out an ingredient because you don't have it. You think that doesn't matter. You can mess up dinner. You can go to a restaurant, order something new, and it turns out to be terrible. Don't worry. Next week, you can come back and get something you like. Go back to the old standard fish and chips. A salad. If the salad's bad, go to something else. Go to another restaurant. You can mess up a lot of stuff. You can mess up... uh, (laughs) You can mess up the way you, you organize your clothes. You could be wearing the wrong thing today. They don't match. I've done it many times. Left the house, thought that tie matched that shirt. That was really bad. Just because they're brown doesn't mean they go together. You can mess up a lot of stuff. There's one thing you cannot mess up because you don't get it back. That's your eternal salvation. You, don't, you only get one chance. You only get one life to live for Jesus Christ. You only get one moment in this life. You, got, you cannot afford to mess it up. You got to be right. You got to be holy. You got to find the Lord. You got to find the voice. You got to do the things that are in the Word of God. This is a serious business. So I, I preach to the congregation be careful not to follow the miracle. It's a hard saying. You don't follow the miracle. If the miracle comes, it will follow you. Go read Mark chapter 16 verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. People who follow the miracle are always chasing for the high. It's the natural endorphins that have afflicted a lot of apostolic Pentecostal churches and evangelical churches all over the United States. In fact, we were in Metairie, Louisiana years ago, and there was a five-hour line looking at a picture of Mary, and they thought that she had tears coming down her face, and people stood for hours to see a glimpse of a tear. They were trying to follow a miracle. I preach today, the miracles will follow you that believe. You don't follow them. You don't chase them. God will add them. They will follow you. 
Here's what your Bible says. Paul said that even Satan will come as an angel of light. They got to be true, Pastor, because there's a miracle. Wait, hold on a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. There's doctrine, and the doctrine doesn't change. And a miracle won't just save, won't save you, but the gospel of Jesus Christ will save you. I got some hard sayings today. You can be healed of your body and still lost in the end. You can die and be saved and live and be lost. Oh. Preach the word, Timothy. It don't matter if they like it. It don't matter if they come back. I got to preach the word of the Lord. It's got to be the right voice from the right book from the throne of heaven. Yay. Careful, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful before you latch on to the newest novel or book that attempts to redefine the Bible. New material is probably not new at all. It's just old, rewrapped, philosophical views that dilute the scripture. Careful. It might be better for you to put down the commentary of the Bible and pick up the Bible. And pray that the Lord will open your eyes of understanding how to apply it and read it to your, in your life. Otherwise, you're going to search the internet and someone's going to make a lot of sense, but they only have to distort one line and a whole bunch of good stuff. And all of a sudden, they're like the spirit of divination saying, look, these are the most high God. That's the right word from the wrong spirit and they will distort everything that you ever believe. Don't allow somebody to give you allowances that the Bible said no to. You got to hear what the Lord says. I'm only going to listen to what the Lord has to say. In fact, I submit to you, it would be better to seek Jesus in prayer than seek your friend's advice. If you'll allow me, let me just be the pastor. It'd be better for you to hang up the phone, get off the computer, put your texting down and your Instagram down, your Facebook down, and find your place on the altar or in the prayer room and get some words from God. Yes, Lord. Be careful before you grossly equate the divine will of the Lord with your comfort. The will of God is not always meant to make you happy. Uh oh. We think that if we were blessed, healthy, got a pay raise, a better job, more stuff from Stuff Mart. No, I just made that up. I don't know. Might, get, might catch on. We think that we are in the will of God if we're feeling good about ourselves. We do not associate his perfect will with our suffering. Even though, in fact, that may be his perfect will that is best for the kingdom and the only way for you and your family to be saved. It's a hard saying. Because some folks are rejoicing over something that happened. And what happened is leading you away from commitment. 
And if you tell me that the Lord, somebody's friend, giving God praise, and they gave you a boat, and it takes you out of church every Sunday, that ain't the will of God. I don't care if it was free. I don't care if you got a year's supply of gasoline and you got a nice little dock and everything's good. If you're not in the house of God, you can't make prayer. You don't give to God. That boat wasn't from God. I'll tell you what might have been from God. The car accident might have been from God because that's the only time you ever prayed and said, Lord, I need your help. He's more interested in your eternal salvation. And Jesus said, it's better for you to go to heaven blind and crippled and lame than for you to go to hell with your whole body intact and everything sounding good. Be careful. Your salvation is serious business. You don't have time to mess around. I got to hear what the Lord has to say. Oh, I wish somebody would help me today. I got to preach the word to the Lord, to the word of the Lord, to the people of the Lord. Yes. Be careful before you follow a YouTube preacher that appeals. Uh Uh-oh, this is really bad. This is what the Lord gave me. Go argue with him. He's the one. Cautious now, cautious, before you follow a YouTube preacher, somebody around the country, that appeals to your sense of nationalism and patriotism. This world's not your home. There's a thousand preachers in many countries who once preached in the dark, huddled in barns with their congregations in fields, clawed their way into little places, made their way down into basements. I met Brother Alexander in 1992, the Russian pastor. When I put my hand on his back, it felt like gravel. He had been beaten so many times. He spent one-third of his life in prison for preaching the name of Jesus. And they imprisoned him and let him out and imprisoned him and beat him so many times. Until finally, he told his congregation, we're going to have church, but you go home and pray where we should go and at what time and show up there. Incredibly enough, they'd find their way together. No one could talk to each other. They'd meet up in a little place, backside of a cafe, in the woods. He said, I would rather preach the word to a sinner and see them saved than to make a point to my government. You're going to see this here coming up. We are patriotic. We believe in the, in, in the blessing of America, but only because we allow God to be God. Only because, reading your Bible, because we've blessed Israel. But we ought to be praying for them right now. And only because we're sending missionaries across the seas. When we shut those three names down, this United States may not even last. Oh, man. I'm in the book all the way through. I just don't have time because we've got to go to lunch. (laughs) You don't know. 
You don't know. This whole thing can shut down. This place can become some kind of community center. They can cut, they can take us out of our churches, not just rip our 501s, three, three C's out, but they can just take everybody out. You're going to have to find a place because your salvation is serious business. Your walk with God is serious business. You cannot afford to lose your walk with God. Whether it's in this building or in your home or in a barn or in a basement, you got to get together and say, we're going to worship. We're going to praise God. We're going to have a Holy Ghost move. We're going to follow the voice of the Lord. Hey, and don't get worried about building the sanctuary. Don't get worried about that. If the Lord comes back, I would rather have concrete and steel beams in the ground and be doing something than be sitting on my hands. Don't think about what you lost. Think about what you're going to gain. I wish everybody would clap their hands and shout with a voice a triumph because the Lord is in his house. And there's no God like our God. And our salvation is serious business. just to caution you before you decide to see how close to the world you can get be careful ah yay Come on, you ought to receive the word right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place today. He's in this place today. He's in this house today. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Stand with me right now. The Lord has spoken, and we're going to follow the word of the Lord. We have time to just reach out to God. And wherever you're standing, if you want to come to the front, we're going to say it to the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm doing this. Can I, can I just read this scripture to you? Let me just read this scripture to you. This is Romans 13, and that knowing the time... That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting or drunkenness. Not in chambering or wantonness and strife or envy. 
but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And I'm reading Philippians 2. Are you ready? Wherefore, my beloved, you've obeyed, not just when I was with you, but even in my absence. Here's your directive today. Work. Work out your own salvation. Not haphazardly, not nonchalantly, but with fear and trembling. Because your salvation is serious business. Get as close to God as you can. Make commitments in time and in prayer, in effort and energy and serving and Bible reading and study. Take a day and fast as often as you can if your body will allow. Go dark and turn off all the media in your home. Light some candles and walk around your living room and pray over your home. Lay your hands on every door of your house. Pray a hedge around your children, your family. Plead the blood over your family. Ask the Lord to give you boldness to be a laborer in the field and bring someone into your home at your table. Go to the coffee shop or restaurant. Open up the Bible and love on somebody and tell them that they can, they can be saved. This is serious business today. This is not a country club. It's not a community center. It's the body of Jesus Christ represented in this house. Right now, I'm, I'm inviting you in whatever way you feel it. I feel like the Lord is right here, right now. Lift up your voices and your hands. And if you so will, come to the front of this altar and just make some commitments to God and say, I, I'm going to take this serious, Lord. This is my whole life. This is my whole walk. This is my whole, this is my whole desire.